Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. It is another week of hockey for your Anaheim Ducks, and the team is back at home. They began the four-game homestand by welcoming the Florida Panthers to Honda Center on Sunday night. It was a bit of an up-and-down game for the team, but ultimately the Panthers did get the 5-3 win. Sam Reinhart netted his first two goals of the season in the third period for the Panthers. So let's take a look now at some of my AD's takeaways. The back-to-back penalties to start the game certainly did not help the Ducks, which led to the first goal of the game being netted by the Panthers. But one positive from this game, the team had another very strong second period of play. Head coach Dallas Aikens told us after the game that the team has to play that way. They showed spurts of it, and that shows that they can do it, but they just aren't consistent yet. I asked him how they can be consistent, and he shared that it's a choice, that you're not going to take the route of being good or just mediocre. They need to decide to come in and win. I love that mentality, and I really hope the players are taking that into consideration as we move into the rest of this homestand and look for more opportunities to get those wins on the ice this week. But a bright spot that was positive Sunday night, Ducks' Ryan Strome had a resurgence offensively with two points. What was originally two goals coming from Strome, the first one would be given to Adam Henrique as he tipped it in. Great placement on both of those goals for Stromer on the ice. He's been adding to the score sheet in four of the last five games. I like what we've been seeing from him. But I will say the team was pretty deflated in the locker room after the game. It was a tough one to lose. So like I said, looking for more opportunities to hopefully get a win on home ice this week. And to do so, the Ducks will continue to stay at home as they welcome the Minnesota Wild to town on Wednesday night. Puck drop will be at 7 p.m. You can listen to the game right here on DuckStream from the call from Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster. Now, before I get into this next segment, I would like to share my deepest condolences with the family of Peter McNabb and everyone who is impacted by Peter in their lives. We at the Ducks are very saddened to hear about his passing. He was a great part of the hockey community and brother of the longtime Ducks executive, David McNabb, Thoughts and prayers to the McNabs during this really difficult time. So now let's go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL over the weekend. Sunday was a light slate of hockey, only three games, including the Ducks. But we'll take a look at the Detroit Red Wings and New York Rangers game. The Red Wings have won three in a row, taking home a win at Madison Square Garden in overtime on Sunday night. Dominic Kubelik netted the game winner well on the power play off a beautiful pass from David Perron. Hear the call from Red Wings' Ken Cal. Larkin, top of the right face-off circle. 2-2 is our score. Red Wings on the power play, trying to end it in overtime. Perron, left face-off circle to the side of the goal, and the Wings score! Dominic Kubelik parked off the right goal post, got the feed, fires it home, and the Detroit Red Wings win in overtime. 3-2 over the New York Rangers, a big two points for Detroit. Now going back to Saturday, the Washington Capitals and Arizona Coyotes faced off 
And just as I mentioned on Friday's show last week, Alex Ovechkin continues his goal-scoring climb. And now he officially has the most goals with a single franchise, passing Gordie Howe now with 787 goals. Listen to the call in the second period of the Caps game on Saturday by Joe Benatti. To the center now. And on the right side is Sherry. Mantha across the blue line, across to Ovechkin, he scores! Alex Ovechkin stands alone! The most goal scored with one team in NHL history! That's 787, and it's one nothing, Washington! Well, you knew it was a matter of time before the Cavs get one. They're playing the right way. Good opportunities, good shots. Ovechkin in his office. Scored so many of them there, and he makes it happen. He tied the record in Detroit against Gordie Howe's old team. Tonight here against the Arizona Coyotes. On November 5th, 2022, Alex Ovechkin has scored more goals with one team than anyone else in the history of the National Hockey League. A vintage shot from the left side. A power play marker that has made it 1-0 Washington. Also on Saturday, the Colorado Avalanche and Columbus Blue Jackets headed to Finland as a part of the NHL Global Series. The Avs had a dominant 5-1 win, and a part of that was Arturi Lekanen, who was in his home country he opened up the scoring early. Here's the call by Blue Jackets play-by-play, -play, Bob McElligot. But here come the Avalanche up the ice in a two-on-one. Nathan McKinnon, right wing side over North Turn. And he scores. 33 seconds into the opening period. It's an odd man rush for the Colorado Avalanche. They bury it and take a one-to-nothing lead. And the last one on this slate of goal calls, the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. Former longtime flyer Claude Giroux netting his first goal against his former team, and it was also goal number 300 for him. Pretty special moment, I'm sure. Listen to the call by Dean Brown now. And now here's Shabbat out to center. Tipped ahead to the line and in. Here's Kachuk. Gives it back. Stutzel in front. Scores! Claude Giroux opens the game. Getting into this next segment with our guest today, I dove into NHL fantasy hockey with one of the voices of it, Pete Jensen, to learn more about which players around the league have stood out so far this season. Listen in this next segment. Welcoming to Light the Lamp now is senior fantasy editor at the NHL, Pete Jensen. Pete, great to have you join us on DuckStream. Yeah, great to be on with you. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a blast to collab to collaborate with all the NHL clubs out there, and uh, great to learn a little bit more about Duckstream. And uh, happy to talk fantasy betting stuff, the league in general. I'm covering all 32 teams uh, for NHL.com, NHL Network, and the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast, which covers fantasy and betting. So really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Yeah, you're certainly keeping busy. It's I know how difficult it can be to cover all of the clubs at once. Yes, yes, especially <laughs> when you're diving as deep as we do with prospects, lineups, trends, week to week. You know, there's a lot to keep track of, but the deeper you dig, you always find some some interesting nuggets and the cool thing about fantasy and betting is like 
even if a team is struggling for points in the season, even if a, you know, teams in a losing streak, there are always guys that are producing for different teams, guys that get elevated to top line roles. We always look at first power play usage and that's certainly important. And I know the ducks have had, you know, some sneaky fantasy production over the course of the start of the season, even during the midst of uh, some losing streaks. So we'll see, we'll see. I think it's a young team on the rise and it's always fun to keep track of um, those up and coming teams as they go through all the ups and downs. Well, before we get into that, I want our listeners to be a little bit introduced to you. And I know that you are sure. a Nittany Lion. Uh, I am actually a Spartan, so another Big Ten nice. alum. Um, and I know that we've got a hockey series coming up next weekend, actually, in a football game not too long after that. So a little bit of a Big Ten rivalry there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of big games in different sports between Penn State and Michigan State. Um, looking forward to the football game later this season. Lots of big basketball games through the years. Yep. You know, usually Michigan State is uh, on the better end of it, but we've <laughs> hit you guys with a couple of upsets through the years in basketball that I'm pretty proud of. So we'll, we'll see. Um, it should be a fun uh, season in all these different sports. But yes, Penn State coming off a big win over number one Michigan in hockey, and then they squeaked out a point as well. So um, it was a nice weekend for them on home ice against uh, the Wolverines. I know you guys are probably happy about the result of that one as well. <laughs> yeah, always helping us out with that one. <laughs> now, going back a little bit, so where did your hockey interest begin? I mean, I was a big hockey fan growing up. I was more of a casual fan, so I was going to New York Islander games, a couple of Ranger games through the years. I was... I really got into hockey the biggest. I mean, the Islanders were pretty bad when I was growing up, so I uh, didn't go to a ton of, like, you know, meaningful playoff games and stuff like that. It was more like going to, you know, a lot of people I was going to school with would have their birthday at, at the Coliseum and stuff. So mm -hmm. those are cool memories. When I was um, in high school, I got really into the Buffalo Sabres. I have family up in Rochester, and the Sabres were really good coming out of the lockout. So... And I was kind of following them even before the lockout as well when they had like Dominic Hasek when I was younger. So uh, I was big on Ryan Miller, big, uh, big on Danny Briere, Brian Campbell, Chris Drury, Maxime Finneganov, names like that mm -hmm. that were really good in uh, 05, 06, 06, 07, years like that. And that was really what took my hockey um knowledge and started playing fantasy with some friends in high school you know that was like where it, my it, it turned from like a casual interest to more of a, a passion of mine and then I started working for the league um, right out of Penn State in 2011 and I've uh, been doing more and more every year on the fantasy front on the betting stuff and um, tv radio podcast writing rankings uh, social media, a lot of fun stuff. So um, now I'm like really like entrenched in it and I love it as much as any other sport out there. So it's kind of cool how I've gone from casual fan growing mm -hmm. up to uh, now uh, I'd rather watch a hockey game <laughs> for work or for not work for fun uh, than any other sport pretty much. For those that may not know as much about fantasy hockey, what are some of the biggest keys for having a great season? 
Sure. I mean, I think uh, in certain situations you want to stack uh, a player with his line mate or someone on the power play. If you feel strongly about a team, you get maybe two or three players max from a particular team. It's important to draft well early, but a lot of the time, you know, right now, if your team has multiple standouts that have caught people by surprise, then you'll you'll see yourself near the top of the standings. Like a lot of people out there have like Dominic Kubelik or they have Gabriel Velarde from the Kings or they have, you know, Shane Pinto from the Ottawa Senators, Martin Nietzsche, Salinas Allmark from the, from the Boston Bruins. Um, Alex Tuck was a sleeper that I really liked coming into the season. You know, it's kind of like spreading your lineup across the whole league. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get too heavy on one team because uh, that could burn you if they're not playing that much in a particular week or if they go into a losing streak. You don't want to get too hung up on drafting too many players from the same division. So, like, I, I try to, like, spread the wealth and diversify my lineup, and and that's that's the fun part of it. It's like fantasy is a way to learn more about the rest of the league besides just your favorite team you know you can become a better hockey fan by playing fantasy and and learning more about guys that are playing certain places in the lineups I mean people reach out to me all the time on the fantasy social accounts NHL fantasy Instagram and Twitter I mean a lot of these fans they know and they know just as much as I do you know what I mean it's like they're they're crazy engaged fans and they're on top of all the trends. We try to take the the pulse of the league into account, pulse of different teams, and you know, buy low on this team, buy low on the St. Louis Blues because they're struggling. Be patient with the Vancouver Canucks, for instance, or sell high on the New Jersey Devils. Like we're all over the trends, and the fans are right there with us. So it's a fun thing to be a part of. With it being week five already, who are some of the current highest valued guys in fantasy? I mean, so, so far, there's been a lot of studs from the Edmonton Oilers, you know, not even just McDavid and Drysaddle, but Evander Keynes in the top 20 overall. Zach Hyman's up there as well. Uh, Stuart Skinner is one of the sneaky, most valuable rookies from that team. Uh, the cool thing is, like I was mentioning, even if you're on a team, near the bottom of the NHL standings, there's a lot of fantasy appeal. There's a lot of value. One big guy this week is uh, Kirby Doc, breakout player mm. for the Montreal Canadiens that changed teams in the offseason. Now he changed positions here. He's really heating up lately. That's one of our top waiver wire pickups of the week so far. Um, for this talk, I mentioned him just now, but Jesper Bratt has been probably one of the biggest steals in all of fantasy and one of the biggest surprises in the entire league for the Devils who have won as of record time right now six in a row and something like eight or eight of their past nine or nine of their past ten I mean the Devils are rolling they have good metrics on their side and it's not even just we thought if this was going to happen it would be all Jack Hughes Nico Heischer mm-hmm. it's like they're not even the best players on their own team because this guy Jesper Brad is really um, taking his game to another level so I would say he's been the biggest surprise at the forward position, him and Martin Nietzsche. And then on defense, in the same division as the Ducks, Eric Carlson is having a serious bounce back season and um, return to form as one of the elite defensemen in the game. So I wanted to mention him as well. Now, you did mention one of the waiver wire names, but what other guys are on that list right now that you might recommend? 
Sure. Another guy in the Pacific Division, Andre Kuzmenko, came over from the KHL in the offseason. I mean, he's been a stud for the Vancouver Canucks through thick and thin so far this season. I know they've had a lot of losses. I know they've blown a lot of leads, but he's playing on their first power play and he's playing on a line with Elias Pettersson, which is allowing them to really spread out their scoring in a way that they haven't in years past. So it's not all materializing in terms of the standings page, you know, for Vancouver, but Mm -hmm. um, Kuzmenko really heating up lately. Um, He's averaging like two points per game over the past two weeks of the season, something like that. So a really impressive transition. A lot of guys have struggled with that through the years, right? They come over from the KHL, then they get benched or they get sent back or whatever. You know, there have been a lot of success stories and there have been a lot of flops. And I think, you know, the recent success stories are Temi Panarin, Kirill Kaprizov, add that guy to the list, Kuzmenko. And also another guy from the Pacific, uh, Martin Jones, has been really impressive for the Seattle Kraken and really just a product of that team's uh, improved offense this season. He's getting a lot of goal support. He had a shutout. He's um, revitalizing his career in a way. And he's doing it in a very difficult division where, you know, top to bottom, that Pacific division, there are a lot of high scoring teams out there, but the Kraken are outscoring their opposition when, when Martin Jones is in net and he's uh, having a bounce back season very quietly. Now, Pete, you did talk about it a little bit earlier, but with the Ducks, some of those surprises this season, who are those names that you were thinking of? Well, I've been very impressed by the best players on the Ducks, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegris, uh, building upon what they did last year, breakout season for Terry, standout rookie season for Zegris. Both of those guys have taken it to an even higher level this season. Um, definitely, you know, was disappointed by the long-term injury with uh, Jamie Drysdale, but mm-hmm. um, I like how John Klingberg's starting to turn it around lately. If he keeps this going, he's going to be a popular waiver wire pickup Um, also looking for Mason McTavish as he settles in on the first power play and in the top six to continue to improve over the course of the season the rookie leader in points right now is Matty Beneers with nine Mason McTavish has not had a great start to the season but he's got seven points in 13 games so my prediction in the preseason was that McTavish and Beneers would go toe-to-toe for the Calder Trophy I know there's Logan Thompson in the mix as well, the goalie for the Golden Knights. So many of these players we're talking about today Mm -hmm. are from the Pacific Division. Pretty crazy. But um, I like what I've seen from McTavish so far. And I think he's just going to keep getting better and better over the course of the season. Now, I saw that you've had the Stanley Cup winner and finalist three times in the last handful of seasons, 2022, 2020, and 2015. What kind of research and data goes into working towards those predictions? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's one of my favorite things. And it's one of my things that I, I like to say that fantasy translates to reality. Not always, but a lot of these trends we keep track of, you know, if you're evaluating talent and roster depth and analytics and combination of the obvious stats and also some underlying stats in the preseason, usually over the course of the full season, you know, the team I picked to win the cup might not always win the president's trophy, or sometimes they win the president's trophy, but they don't win the cup in the end. You know, it's usually like one or the other, but um, yeah, I think a lot of the time the off season developments and changes 
materialize over the course of the season. So I feel pretty confident in my pick each year. It doesn't always happen, but a couple of times it's hit not only the champion, but also the finalist. So it's a fun thing to do. We make our picks for NHL.com for the general site, myself and my colleague, Anna Duo. We both have the Carolina Hurricanes winning the cup this year. She has them over the Oilers. I have them over the Avalanche. So I have the Avs going back to the cup final. Um, and then maybe some of the, the depth that they lost in the off season would derail them a little bit. But I do, I do kind of look also at um, which teams have strong possession metrics, which teams have maybe another gear to reach another layer, like with the hurricanes this year, they have a couple good goalie options. Their top team in possession right now at the start of the season, one month in, and then they also have another layer to reach. They got Brent Burns in the offseason, and they also got Max, Max Pacioretty um, from the Golden Knights. So that's like something I'm looking forward to. Maybe the Canes, might, they might be the best team in the regular season. They could win, win the President's Trophy, but uh, when they get to the stretch run in the playoffs, if they have Pacioretty, a finisher like that, it's like another layer mm-hmm. to that team where they could maybe finally get over the hump. Having worked in this space for a number of years now, in what ways have you seen the NHL fantasy community really grow over the years? Oh, many ways. I mean, our podcast didn't exist a couple of years, whatever, three, four years ago, it didn't exist. Um, our NHL fantasy Instagram page is now even more popular than our Twitter page. And we get a crazy amount of fan questions every day of the week on there. Some people from, you know, who are recurring people asking questions, fans, and some, a lot of them honestly are new, you know, you could sort and see the new replies. So like, there are a lot of new people reaching out. Some people say, you know, I'm casual fan from this part of Canada. Some people are from the U S a lot of people from overseas, from Finland, Sweden, uh, Australia, even Mm. um, Denmark there. I mean, there are people all over the, even some places like England and stuff like you don't expect there to be a ton of hockey fans in places like Australia and, and Britain, but there are a lot of people that reach out to us and uh, follow our, our clips on, on the Instagram page and listen to our podcast. We do three podcasts a week, two fantasy Monday and Thursday, and then one betting show usually on Monday is a new wrinkle for our podcast this year, but kind of like, with all the new platforms over the years, we, we keep our regular traditional stuff going, but whenever we expand onto a new platform, like the fans are on there asking us questions and trying to get an edge in their leagues or mm-hmm. from betting standpoint and stuff like that. So I've definitely seen like across the board, a lot of things that we weren't doing four or five years ago that have now become huge parts of our coverage. So if you're looking to grow your fantasy team or learn more about it, make sure to find Pete Jensen on Twitter. Where else can they find any of this coverage too? Sure. Um, NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast, I mentioned. Uh, NHL Network, if you have it, we do a segment every Monday, kind of previewing the week ahead, looking back at the trends for the season at large. We have rankings on NHL.com slash fantasy, whether you play fantasy or not, if you're looking at props or stuff like that, and you're choosing between two players, you could look and say, Oh, you know, Pete and Anna have their, have this player ranked higher. And I'm wondering why. So I'm going to reach out to Pete on Twitter 
or Instagram and get his explanation. We have a really good dialogue all season long with our fans. It carries over to the playoffs, uh, keeps everybody engaged in the off season with all the big moves out there. So it's one of those things where it's kind of become 24 seven, 365 for hockey mm-hmm. lovers and uh, for casual fans, you know, let's, let's convert you to, to a diehard. <laughs> that fantasy is a big tool fan engagement wise for the league uh, to convert casual fans to diehards. So I'm uh Always excited to be a part of it. Pete, thanks for joining us here on Light the Lamp on DuckStream today. Of course, love the coverage and, uh, you know, excited for the rest of the season for Anaheim. I think there are a lot of hidden gems on that team. And even though they play in a difficult division, it's going to be fun to watch them week to week. And appreciate you having me on. It's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. On Sunday night, the Anaheim Ducks debuted their brand new reverse retro jerseys. And I have to tell you, I was a fan of them. I particularly liked the orange pants paired with the jersey because the bottom of the jersey has all the orange and the top is white. So I thought it just looked really cohesive and I loved the look of it from up top. I know it was a little bit controversial on Twitter. There's about 50-50 with fans, but I for sure was a fan of it. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again this week for a lot more hockey talk here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.